Welcome back to the Girls in Movement podcast. I know we've taken a short break over the summer, but boy, are we back with some cool guests this month. We are joined by a journalist, international speaker, and I suppose the go-to person on all things science and tech. Now, our guest is co-founder of a media platform, which has open discussions around the disruption within the science industry. I think I'm keen to find out more about the world of science and the startups being developed around global change and her thoughts on the role of women within science and tech itself. So without further ado, I introduce Gemma Milney, co-founder of Science Disrupt. How are you, Gemma? Hi, thanks so much for inviting me on the show. I'm doing great. Good, good. I mean, for me, I, I think, going into something like science and tech I still feel like it's a real niche industry um, and also having kind of a female role model for people to look up to is a really big thing as well so we'll we'll definitely discuss that later on in the show but where did your interest in science evolve from I suppose? Oh, that's a really good question I think a lot of it is probably I mean it's normally linked to your family isn't it and kind of how you grew up um so my mom actually studied biology at university but or zoology rather she would kill me for getting wow. that wrong um <laughs> but she, she never did anything with it so she just she just enjoyed it did the degree and and now doesn't do anything at all to do with biology um and my dad's a stonemason so he is a huge fan of maths and he um kind of uses it every day in his in his work and has always been a big sort of um, he's a super curious person and he was always sort of teaching me about numbers and, and whatnot. My granddad was the same. He's also a stonemason. So I kind of grew up sort of being encouraged to really play with numbers and enjoy numbers. And I don't know whether it was just being slightly more into maths. I always sort of shunned my mum's biology and was always like, no, nah, I don't like biology. I only like maths. Um, and so I, I kind of that's what I ended up studying. I studied maths at university and I was fortunate in the sense that at school, I, I had good teachers in, in sort of physics and chemistry and maths um, and I was really fortunate that I, I applied for a scheme when I was about 15 years old where I got to go to um, NASA Space School in Houston, Texas and um, that was I kind of spent my summer sort of doing all these challenges online and having to you know well you did it online but you had to post your submissions um, <laughs> into into the, the Scottish government and um, you know you had the whole chant maths challenges but then you also had to like design tools for the space station all this sort of thing and um I I was one of the sort of 26 taken to to Houston and that for me kind of massively opened my mind to being able to do something beyond a job in sort of my town in Scotland and um kind of I guess from there it was okay I really like this stuff there's more opportunity than I thought in this space um but then even then, I mean, I studied maths at university and at the end I was kind of like, OK, well, I can be a banker, a maths teacher um, or I can go be an academic. And I didn't really understand the broader implications until I was sort of already out in the workforce. Um, so, th so the interest has always been there, but it's kind of been a strange journey to get to where I currently am. And it was never sort of obvious how to kind of really have a career that you really like in the space of science and tech just because it's so broad and it's not always advertised I think the best. 
yeah definitely and I, I think if one of the places in the world could help you make a decision that you want to stay in like go in the field of science and tech it would be NASA I think <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure and also just being surrounded by those other you know 25 young Scottish people you know we were by the time we went we were all 16 years old we had all sort of chosen our uh, the subjects we were going to be doing for our exams at school most of us had also kind of decided what we wanted to do at university but it was also at the exact time that sort of Facebook came online so we all added each other on Facebook we were you know most of us were sort of our first friends on Facebook and <laughs> it means that we've also been able to you know follow each other and see what each other were doing and be inspired by one another so a lot of it was actually not necessarily having role models that were older than me or kind of looking up to astronauts or something even though I did do that a lot of it was also just being connected with peers that really kind of were on the same wavelength because there was there's a few people at my school who were super into science you know I've got some friends that are now you know doing PhDs who I went to high school with um, and we I just went to sort of a standard high school in Scotland I, I don't know what it was about my year we just had a lot of nerds <laughs> but um but I think a lot of it was that being inspired by my peers and then seeing everyone else's roots in that world that really kind of um I don't know, always kept the fire alive, I suppose. Yeah, amazing. And so how did Science Disrupt evolve then? And was this the first sort of thing that you worked on after university? No, so yeah, it's quite a funny story actually. So I, I studied maths at university and then I ended up going and working in investment banking as a lot of mathematicians <laughs> um, do. Um, decided that really wasn't for me. And then I, um, I decided to Google creative business jobs London because I was also, you know, I, I do a lot of art and I play a lot of music. So I thought maybe actually I should, you know, pie the maths and go do something completely different. So I ended up in the advertising industry um, and I, I worked sort of as a, as a um, account executive, at a company called Ogilvy. Um, and I did that for a year and a half and realized that also wasn't for me because uh, being a sort of project manager isn't actually very creative. And, um, you know, I was really, really missing the sort of the, the numbers and the, um, you know, thinking about technologies and so on and so forth. So I basically ended up in an innovation team within uh, within uh, the advertising company. So my job was basically scouting startups and going to conferences, meeting people, essentially being the sort of go-to innovation person within the company. So maybe, you know, a, 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 one of the clients like American Express might say, oh, we want to understand why we should care about artificial intelligence. And I'd kind of get wheeled out to go do a workshop with them and explain what it is and introduce them to startups that might be people they could work with, all that jazz. So that was my job. And as part of that because you know I, I think probably a lot of it started because I was young female and in a sort of tech role in an advertising company which is quite you know interesting um I got asked to do a lot of public speaking so I did a lot of traveling going to conferences um you know presenting on future technologies innovation how companies could be adopting all these interesting things um but after I'd done a few talks and I kind of got a lot better at it and people started asking me what I want to talk about as opposed to going, hey, can you come talk about innovation and advertising? I was like, can I talk about maths? I really, really want to present why maths is really creative. I, I want the creative industries to think more about science. I'm kind of bored of hearing, you know, artists get up on stage and inspire the advertising industry. What about getting scientists? And what about trying to encourage people with this idea that, that technology is more creative than we think? Um, so I got a really, you know, I did a big talk, a, a, a big, uh, festival in advertising it's called Canon uh, Can Line and I did a talk about why Euler's theorem is the most exciting theorem and, and why it, you don't have to understand maths to be wowed by it and, and why it can help you you know enhance your creative juices you know that was the kind of business theme and that started a bit of a time of doing a lot of talks about 
like why science is amazing and what, how, why we should communicate science in better ways and um, how the advertising industry could actually partner better with universities to spin science out faster and all these sorts of things. And it sort of culminated in me doing a talk at South by Southwest and it was, it was called um, How to Disrupt Science. And I, it, it was kind of, first of all, I was talking about the communication science. I was saying, you know, how many living Nobel Prize winners do you know? And kind of the answer was, well, none sort of thing. Um, but I also did a bit of talking about how could we make um, science as an industry more open? So how do we publish more openly? How do we change things like peer review? All these kind of quite nerdy inside baseball things in academia. And I had a lot at the time I was still working at Ogilvy. Um, I was just doing this sort of because I thought it was interesting. And that talk, I had so many people come up to me and basically be like, oh, like, what are you doing? What's your job? Like, can I follow you? And I was like, I mean, I just work in advertising. I don't I'm just interested in this. I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't really have anything else to give you. And they're like, oh, you should write a blog. You should do this. Like, I, I want to sort of, you know, be part of what your your movement. And I was like, this isn't a movement. I just I just <laughs> thought it was interesting. And I did a talk. So anyway, I came home and I spoke to um my my boyfriend Lawrence who is a scientist and he already had a podcast um with with some of his friends in his PhD program and we decided okay let's actually do something with this because there's clearly people want to talk about it there's clearly a community around this idea of disrupting science and um we started a podcast and then it kind of it turned into events in London it's now a big online community um and it's sort of a bigger media organization um but uh, we, we started that in April 2016. I was made redundant from Ogilvy. They shut the innovation team at the end of 2016. And so now my day job is that I'm like a freelance writer and presenter and whatnot. And my my side project um, is, is Science Disrupt, although it takes up a lot more time than a usual side project. <laughs> so it's, it's, it'll be great to get to the a kind of place of where your side hustle becomes your day job. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, amazing. maybe. I, I don't know if I agree with you, actually, you know, because I, I wrote this piece recently about how there's something really nice about side hustles staying as side hustles, you know, like I love Science Disrupt and I, I, I get a lot of pleasure from it. And I know that a lot of people get a lot of benefits from it. But I I kind of I also really love my day job. And if I don't really want to give up what I'm doing for a living um, to sort of try and turn a side hustle into into a business that I might not like anymore you know um because you're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices with a side hustle to commercialize it to make it profitable to to make it something you can live off and for me um I don't know sometimes side hustles are kind of good as just that and it's interesting I mean like you say you suddenly have to start thinking about cash flow and hiring people and sometimes that passion just starts dissolving a little bit because it literally exactly. starts turning into a business and yeah I mean we talked to I mean how I was talking about my kind of day job working with startups every day it's it's really interesting and just to touch on the point before I mean we're talking today on a day where students everywhere are like opening their A-level results and they're like oh my god going to this university or some people would be saying I'm not going to this university and it's interesting that you say you studied maths and you started working in advertising and then you, this led you to think about science disrupt and very similar to yourself I did English and film at uni but I never went into that um, after university and I think it's always you've got to follow your passion and I and I know that sounds really cheesy but you've got to it's very easy to have a day job nine till five in something that you did at university but if you hate yeah. it then what's the point of doing it really? I think also the whole thing about following your passion is quite a, is, is is I'm sort of bought into it 50 percent and then there's a 50 percent it's kind of like mm, because I, I, for starters I think most people have more than one passion right and not all passions can be turned into a job 
effectively. Um, so for instance, one of my passions is painting, um, but I, I know that I would absolutely hate to to be a painter. It would the, the pressure for me would be too much. I'm too slow at it. Like I would I would hate to be judged on it. All these sorts of things. Um, likewise, like another passion of mine is reading. Um, you know, okay, I could maybe be a book a book reviewer, book reviewer, reviewer books uh, to then write articles really quickly and frankly not get paid very much to write about them so I think that the idea of following your passion is true in the sense of you do have to um, you know really consider what it is that makes you tick and, and what is it that kind of gets you excited and how do you get into these you know um, you know when you're working away you, you feel happy as opposed to feeling like a slog but at the same time I think sometimes there's a little bit too much pressure put on people to be like you must find your passion. You know, you're you're not doing it right if you end up in a job that's that's you're only there because it's a nine to five. Like, um, you know, you can you can still have a really fulfilling life if you have a nine to five and then you have a great side project. So I, I think for me, it's it's my my maths degree. Like I I did that because I I'm very fascinated by maths. There was lots of parts of my degree that I absolutely hated, and it's one of the reasons why I ended up not going and being an academic. Um, but now. Um, I actually do use quite a lot of my degree because, um, you know, yes, I'm a, I'm a science writer and a tech writer, but I specialize in deep technologies and science spin outs, which a lot of science writers don't understand because they don't have the, the depth of understanding that someone who studied a quite logical degree um, does have. So uh, for me, if you were to kind of work, work my way backwards from where I am now, it kind of all in inverted commas makes sense. But that's not ever how I sort of made my decisions. I kind of just was like, that looks interesting. You know, that's going to make me happy. It might not be linked directly to one of my hobbies or one of my passions, but I think it looks like it could be a good move and could be kind of interesting. That was more how I made my decisions as opposed to kind of going, you know, I know that at the root my passion is maths and I know that my passion is science and technology. So I must make moves that make sense because otherwise I've never ended up in advertising and I gained so much from being in that industry. And just um, touching just, back um, to the slide, 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 slide